Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Um, well, we're here with Pastor Mike and Katie, and if you're just joining us on this podcast, they are our, our South Region campus regional pastors. Pastor Mike and Katie are also on our executive team here at Awaken Church. They are amazing um, pastors, amazing business owners. They're also parents, as you just saw, but we're going to get right into it. And so we had people send in photos, um, or sorry, questions, photos of their wow. kids. Wow. This what is me of... in my relationship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we're going to do a slideshow. No. Yeah. Um, next year, next year. I feel year. like you should scoot. I, don't, I, I feel that too. We need to I was, include this section. Will you in, scoot? So Hi, guys, everyone yeah. on hey, the left. Pastor Mike, can you talk about when yeah. your wife is bossing you around on stage? <laughs> no. It's a product of your husbandry, Sterling. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, shoot. It's great. Scoot back. Is that better? Okay. I just, there's so many amazing people, and I want to make sure everyone can yes. see. Yes. So okay. before we start asking you questions, yes. um, do you want to tell the crowd, tell the people worldwide on this podcast a little bit about your story um, before you met Katie and then maybe your journey dating? Yeah. Um, so we've been together 15 years. We met actually on Katie's 20th birthday. And, um, it was a we, good birthday present. Yeah. It, uh, we, we really, when we met, uh, we could not have been more different I have a very checkered past, and my wife is a very hot version of Mother Teresa, basically, <laughs> um, and basically perfect. And so it was, um, it was pretty wild getting to know each other, and, um, and we actually met in church. I was just coming out of a, um, a relationship that unraveled. I was actually engaged to a woman that left me, and I was leveled. I was heartbroken. Um, like, it was pretty pathetic. I moved back in with my mom because I had no friends, no job, no future. It was really, it was bad. Started from the bottom, now you're here. That's right. Um, and then, you know, in the, the middle of um, really kind of healing through that, I met Katie. Um, but I was actually still so um, bent out of shape about this other girl that I just couldn't even, it was just kind of like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Like, it wasn't like love at first sight. It wasn't like no, sparks. No, you walked up and you winked at me. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> He's so pretentious, wearing snakeskin boots, yeah. rock and Republic do any, jeans. Do you have any photos, Axel? Uh, a white t-shirt. He only wore white Hanes t-shirts when I met him. Wow. Well, guess who's married to that guy? <laughs> you. But we would always find each other. He started coming to church to play guitar, and I, we would always find each other. And then all of our friends were like, oh, don't date him. Wait, can I tell one story about the second time when I came to church the second time? We don't have a lot of time, I'm gonna so make if you this can really tell fast, it in like but it's, one minute. I, I want you guys to know it. where we started, okay? So um, Katie told me, you know, we, we'd met at church this one time, and, and she was like, well, hey, you know, if you come back to church next Sunday, maybe we can sit together. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'm in Next there. level. I'm, this is Moving happening. Fast. This is happening. Moving so, fast. No I don't know kidding. if I said sit next to each other. I said, come say hi. Well, that's, I interpreted that as, anyway. And so I'm on my way to church. This is a true story. I get pulled over. And the police officer, this nice lady, comes to my window and says, are you aware that there's a warrant out for your arrest? 
because I didn't pay like some insurance ticket from like three years ago. We're also going to talk about being responsible young adults. Don't be like me. Okay. Anyway, so she's like, you're going to have to come with me. She arrests me. I get fingerprinted, mugshotted, the whole thing. And I'm like, dang it, I'm supposed to meet this girl at church. I got a seat saved and I have to call my mom to come and bail me out of jail. And then I rush to the church, speeding, which is a bad idea, um, and then get to church as church is ending, and I find her, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you know, this thing came up, and I'm kind of doing this, and she goes, what's on your fingers? I had the black fingerprint ink on my fingers. So I had to tell this girl, well, Mother Teresa. funny story, actually got arrested on my way over here. But it wasn't so, like I was yeah. some really, you That's know, like hard criminal. Started. Yeah. started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, but um, we, we did start dating, and we had a lot to sort through because we came from completely opposite family dynamics. He came from a broken home. I came from an overprotective home with two parents that are still married today. And so we had a lot to sort through, so we dated for a while. And honestly, I'm, I'm really thankful that we're so opposite because that's where our strength comes from. Um, and so... I, I had this whole idea, like this checklist, and um, what I've realized is the things that don't matter, he wasn't, but the things that actually really do matter, he was all of those things. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, we have a lot of authority to speak into, you know, some of the serious matters of, of dating and relationships because of just the... the um, sort of the, the diversity of our story. So, you know, again, I had a pretty um, extensive dating history, sexual past. Katie, um, you know, was a virgin when we got married. Pure as the actually, driven snow. Pure as the driven snow, yeah. Until he came along. Well, we'll talk about actually, that later. Um, yeah. but, then, but then we actually dated for three full years and actually did abstain. So, you know, I went from just, you know, doing whatever, living my life, to all of a sudden, like, okay, I can't do this anymore. That sucked. Um, but then we actually did it. Worth it. We actually did it the right, <laughs> we did it the right way. And I can tell you now, having been married for 12 years, that God has blessed our sex life in ways that we could never have imagined. And, um, and so I just, I think we can, again, speak on, um, on those kinds of matters with, uh, with a lot of authority, because we've, we've done it the right way. It was hard, but very, very worth it. So anyway, that's us. In a nutshell. I love it. Um, I just going off what you're saying a little off the run sheet here, what would you say, you know, because obviously what I love about our church is we are a house of transformation. And so often we hear, you know, from an 18 to 29 year old age group, oh, I just want to meet my spouse. And I think what I hear you saying is, yes, that's a huge part of your life, but it's actually less about meeting your spouse. It's more about becoming who you're meant to be in order to be a great spouse. And so what would you say to somebody that maybe has a similar story to you or maybe is like newly saved and is like, oh, wait, sex is intended for marriage? Oh, wait, like I have this, you know, colorful history and now I have all this stuff to work through. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, so when I met Katie and started to get to know her, it was, it was pretty crazy how like, like the fear of the Lord fell upon me. And... Um, and actually, we had this job where we, we did kind of really high-end catering, and we kind of did it together. And 
Um, it was kind of like our college job thing, and it was super fun and paid really well, and we had a really good time doing it. And there's this one thing, the one part of the job that sucks is is really, really high-end. You wear, like, you know, tuxedos and bow ties, and it's all these really, really rich people that are really rude to you. But anyway, you have to do this thing called standing on the wall, and it's basically when all these rich people come into some party, and you're just standing there with a tray holding these champagne flutes. And they walk in and don't even look at you and grab a champagne flute, whatever. Well, um, it actually gets surprisingly hard to hold a tray of champagne for like 30 minutes. And literally, you're just like... (laughs) Well, we did this one event where um, it was for actually a crystal stemware, you know, company or whatever. And so I'm standing there holding all these champagne flutes, getting a little heavy. It's been like 20 minutes. And this lady comes up to me, one of the event planners, and she goes, hey, there's about $250,000 in crystal stemware on your tray. Don't drop it. I'm like, cool, that really helps. Thank you so much for that. Anyway, and it's, that's actually, and then it, like, it was almost like, like the word of the Lord hit me. And it was like, that's how I felt when I met her. That God had given me something so precious and was like, I'm trusting you with this. And I think that for me is what um, changed everything. Like being with this, this woman that was so, so classy, so sure of herself, so confident, so put together. It really, like the fear of the Lord came on me. It was like, I need to get myself figured out. And so I actually, of my own volition, it wasn't like Katie made me do it. I, you know, I just, and I didn't really know what was wrong with me. I just knew something was wrong with me. And so like went, and I paid, you know, even as a young adult, like still kind of trying to get finances figured out, went and paid a biblical counselor to walk me through some of the junk from my childhood. Like I got so serious about, I want to be the man that a woman like this deserves to marry. It went a long way. Um, I love you. He's always been like that, and he still is, which is really incredible. We, nothing ever stops. Like, you don't ever arrive. And I would say even, you know, you get into a relationship or you go on a few dates, maybe it doesn't work out, but don't, like, ghost the person. Don't just bail. Like, let's remember to have integrity no matter what the end game is, no matter what that story looks like for you in that dating relationship. There's a way to... I had to do it a lot, actually. My friends call me a serial dater before I met Mike because I would go on like two days with the guy and be like, yeah, he's not it. And so I got really, I had to get really good at saying, hey, thank you so much for sharing a meal, for paying for my dinner. I had a really great time, but I just, I know that this is more of a friendship than something that I could see going beyond that. And I respect you enough to have that conversation with you. And so I would have to do that a lot because I was pretty bored with all the people I was going out with before I met Mike. <laughs> but um, but I, you owe that person a conversation. And it doesn't have to be, like, you don't, don't make it weird and don't ghost people. But have integrity and let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and respect a no. You know, if, if you go on out on a date, girls, if you get asked on a date, the guy takes you out and you really like him, but then he's, he realizes that there's not a future in that relationship, don't spiral. Be like, okay. You know, it, it, he's not tearing down your worth. <laughs> he's just saying that he doesn't think you're the person he wants to keep dating. It's okay. There's lots of people around. You're going to get asked out again. And I just, I used to watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I don't anymore. I can't handle it as a pastor. But before as a pastor, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and um, I used to just like yell at the TV and these girls like get in the limo like, I'm not, 
worthy. I suck. If only I was better. I'm like, no, you are worth it. You are beautiful. It's just not working out with this guy and he's a tool anyway. So it's fine. You're going to be happy in five years. You're going to thank God that you didn't marry him. Anyway, so can we just be integrous and mature when it comes to dating and finding that person that you want to commit to? And just know that you are beautiful, you are worthy, if it doesn't work out with a guy. Okay? Yes. Can we just keep going on this vein? Sorry. Go on. This is not on the run sheet. But since we're on the dating thing, I do want to, and and Katie mentioned something I think is really important. Um, The idea that there is a soulmate, a one person out there for you, and only one person, is not rooted in the Bible, in Christianity, any, anywhere at all. Actually, I'll tell you where that idea about comes it. from. It actually comes from a pagan um, piece of literature written by Aristotle called the Symposium, where Aristotle wrote about um, this myth that, um, that way, way back, human beings were androgynous. They were both um, equal parts female and male, and that's just the way the humans were. And then one day, Zeus was super mad at the humans, so he sent down a lightning bolt, split them all in two, and scattered them about the earth, and human beings' curse was that they had to go and find their other half. That's where the idea of a soulmate comes from. It's not from the Bible. It's not rooted in any kind of Christian theology at all. It's like pagan literature, okay? The only two criteria for marriage in the Bible is that they are of the opposite sex and that they are equally yoked to you. Meaning you guys believe the same thing. That's it. There's about, there's 30 million people that fit the bill, okay, for that, okay? And, and listen, half, if you're a girl, half of every human you see is a boy. If you're a boy, half of every human you see is a girl. So first let me talk to the fellows. Guys, Stop doing this like, I don't know if she's the one. There's no such thing. She's the one if you decide that she is. And you guys decide that together, okay? Katie is not my soulmate, okay? We made a decision to choose each other, to enter into the covenant of marriage. Now she is my soul's mate, okay? Now that we made that decision, okay? Literally, when you are trying to find your, your spouse, it's a decision. Is this person going in the same direction as me? Are we compatible? Do we have fun together? Are we attracted to one another? And if the answer to those things is yes, do we believe the same things? Then date, get married, okay? That's it. So I wanted to kind of dispel that myth of this one person, the pressure. It, that's so much. Can you imagine, like, what if the one for you is in China, then you're in big trouble, okay? Because you're never going to go to China. And so you're just never going to find them. Just manufacturing, so, anyway. manufacturing spy balloons Exactly, over there. yeah. yeah. I want to oh. touch on what you said specifically to the dudes because I can remember there was a point in my time where I felt the, I feel like the weight of, like, man, am I making a good decision? Am I making the right decision with who I'm dating? And so maybe you're here and you're experiencing, like, wow, is this the person? Like, am I pursuing what God is wanting you know, me to do? 
dude, give yourself a break. You're not, getting, you're not walking down the aisle on your first date. Go slow and get to know that person. Do exactly what Pastor Mike is saying and find, do we align? Are we thinking the same way? Do we believe the same things? Is there attraction here? Take that pressure off. I promise you that when you do, your dating experience will be more fun and you will find it's actually gonna lead you to what you're wanting anyways without the stress, pressure, or, you know, the, I have to make this happen. Is this God's thing? Like, you'll know. It's, it's so generic, right? Like, how do you know? Like, oh, you know when you know. But it's so true, right? And it's so interesting. Every girl that I dated before Marissa, leading their, I'm going to talk a little bit about leading their relationships, you know, leading up to, we're kind of hitting on that. But I was so glad that behind me was on a wake of all of these girls who were confused. I, you know, I hadn't broken their heart. I had done what Pastor Katie said and just been very clear with them. Like, hey, great. We had a great time. I think you're awesome. I think you're beautiful, but like, we're just going to be friends. And so let's talk a little bit about leading into the dating, you know, dating relationship, marriage relationship, as you're getting all these suitors and all these people who, who want you, how do you get to the point of like, Hey, now we're in a, cause I think this is, this has gone away over time. We're in a disclosed relationship, an exclusive relationship. Let's talk a little bit about that. The DTR. The DTR, yeah. Let's talk about the DTR. Okay. DTR is define the relationship. Is that outdated? It's not outdated. I guess I'm 35 now, so I'm like, it's weird because now I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like a whole new generation. Sure. I'm not a young adult anymore. I still feel like one sometimes. Anyway, okay, so you have to communicate. Let's start there. You have to communicate. And um, you have to be honest, but also like get wisdom, get a connect leader speaking in your life. I think um, you enter into the danger zone when you're isolated and the only person you hear from is God. Like that's not good. Okay. God created us to be in community with one another and he created us to be planted in the house and that's where flourishing happens. So if you don't have a connect leader, then find yourself one. There's lots of awesome ones in the room right now tonight and find friends that you actually ask them, hey, can you watch how I live my life? And I want to give you access to point out my blind spots, especially in dating. Like when there's chemistry involved, you're getting wrapped up in, you know, all of the, the feelings. Like feelings will always be here, there, everywhere. So you need people that can actually see from an outside, outside of those feelings what's happening. Um, so I would say, like, definitely you need community. Don't go rogue with your fling. Yes, That's oh not a good idea. Um, and, and fight that temptation to, like, spend every single night, every single waking second with that fling. Plant yourself in the house of God. Invite that person into community where other people can observe your, your relationship and invite wisdom in um, so that you can actually grow as you are getting to know that person. Yeah, and I yeah. would say invite people into the journey early. Yes. So girls, when you're like checking him out and thinking, deciding if you like him or not, that's when you loop in Elisa and Tony DeLorenzo, not after your 10 dates and you've already decided you're in love and getting married and then want to ask her thoughts on the matter. <laughs> because what we call that is, is inquire versus inform. Me saying, hey, I met this guy. I think I kind of like him. What are your thoughts? I want you to meet him is inquiring. Informing is, hey, guess what? I'm in love. Would you like to come to the wedding? <laughs> 
because at that point, it's kind of too late for someone that has fruit on their life that you want to be like to really come in and be like, wait, hold on. I have... I have questions because you've already decided. And so I would say put safeguards, fortify your life, invite people in now. Like, and I would say with every area, whether it's launching a business, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, I have this God dream to start a business and they quit their job and then they start a business and then they're not making money and then they can't pay bills and they wonder why. And I'm like, well, inquire, ask the people in your world um, their thoughts before you just move on something. And um, the Bible says that... that um, a wise person learns from even a fool. And so I think something that our generation has really struggled with is how to ask for help. And so you've got to constantly fight that. And that stems from maybe a lack of parenting or a lack of support as a child. And so what has happened is our generation has gone, oh, I'm just going to figure it out. And that's where we get the hashtag boss babe and build your own empire and all this stuff, which is all brilliant. But the, 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 badness in that is that what it says is I'm just going to do it my way and I'll just figure it out but invite people in yeah and I think that's so it's so unsafe for Christians to not live a life that is fortified with those kinds of friends and I know for Marissa and I we've built a life where we would have to make many many bad decisions in a row to wreck our lives because we have those friends around us we have those leaders around us and something that we've seen as the young adult pastors I know we've talked about a little bit that you've seen as well is that when people get into these dating relationships they're just like gone two weeks later they're just gone and you'll ask like hey like where did Mike go like oh you got a girlfriend I'm like oh so he got a girlfriend so he's not in a connect group anymore he's no longer serving he's no longer like he got a girlfriend so he dipped like I don't understand and so that's something that, that as you're getting into a dating relationship, that is the moment to flip the switch and to dive deeper, not to run away further, not to isolate yourself, but to get wisdom around you. The Bible talks very clearly there is counselor's wisdom in the counsel of many. And what I remember, you know, we talk about this a lot um, in these kinds of conversations. I remember when Marissa and I first started dating, first thing that she did was get me around all of her friends. Like it was like dinner date after dinner date after like meet this person and meet Group this person. Group dinner dates. And I remember being so impressed by her because I knew what she was doing. She was having her friends, her people that she trusted, the people that loved her, they were sniffing me out. Like, is this guy good for her? Like, how, like they, she was literally doing that right away. And so it's not, you know, get everyone or mom involved in your relationship, but find the line of, hey, am I using wisdom? Am I, am, I, am I leveraging leadership that's in my life? Am I asking questions and not just telling people what I'm doing all the time? And what we've learned is the more questions that you ask, the more wisdom that you get, guess what? The better decision that you get to make, the better the outcome is. Can Brilliant. I say one more thing yep. on that? It, it's not like that ever changes. So, no. <laughs> you know, like this applies to us to this day. Like literally last week, I phoned a friend needing wisdom about things. And I have people that are pointing out my blind spots and our blind, blind spots as a married couple, as individuals. So it's, if you don't have it and you're like, oh, well, I already am married, it applies to you too. Like everyone in this room should have what we're talking about. Pastor Mike, switching gears a little bit, what advice would you give specifically? This was asked by a guy um, in regards to what advice would you give on the fight to stay pure um, before they're in a relationship, but also what if you're in a marriage or in a relationship and really struggling with pornography, what would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, so um, let me just say very explicitly the Bible defines sex as 
the coming together of a man and a woman in the context of marriage, period, okay? And it, it, that idea seems, you know, to the world, to, to our culture now today, so archaic, so outdated, so on the wrong side of history, which you need to understand. And first of all, let me tell you that we, we made it, all right? So it can be done. It can be done. We waited to have sex until we got married. We, um, not to you know, too much TMI on the podcast, but like on our wedding night, we took a second and, you know, before things. I'm cuddling, before little... cuddling. We, yes, before wow. snuggling, we, um, we prayed. And again, um, asked God to forgive my personal missteps. And I literally prayed with my brand new wife. We'd been married for like a couple hours. And I said, Lord, I pray that um, the baggage that I've created, you would not allow to enter into this, into this union. And we prayed for our marriage. We prayed for our sex life. We prayed that God would uh, bless it. And, um, and he did. So I'm telling you, number one, it can be done, okay? Because we did it. Um, but also want you to know that, um, in, so one of the things you'll hear a lot, and I'll, I'll get to the, the pornography question here in just one second. Um, but one of the things you'll hear a lot is we know we're going to get married. So what's the big deal? The big deal is it's a time for you to show your future spouse that you can honor them, that you will not put your flesh and your desires and your whims above, um, their purity. It's a time to show your spouse that you are so committed. Spouse to, to be. Spouse to be, to doing things the right way. And I'm just telling you, you just, you know, and I, you'll just have to trust me. And again, we have just a unique story because Katie entered our marriage as a virgin. I didn't. And I'm, I'm just telling you that we had to work through a lot of junk because of my choices when I was younger. Don't do that to yourself. And again, and I, I, you know, of course, there's going to be people in this room that have made missteps, and that's why we we serve a God who is filled with grace, can redeem anything. God redeemed everything in my life, um, but I just want to encourage you that it is worth it. Okay, God set the universe to run on certain principles because it produces human flourishing. When you do things the way that God designed it, it's not because He's trying to withhold something from you. It's because it's actually the best way to live. Okay. Um, and then also, you know, um, as, a, as a young um, man dating Katie and even um, into the beginning of our marriage, pornography was something that um, I struggled with. Like, you know, it's, it's 2023, like the internet is crazy. It used to be like, you know, it was like if you wanted to get your hands on pornography, it was like embarrassing. You had to go to a gas station, buy some magazine, look a guy in the eyes and, you know, it's like, don't look at it. Now it's different, you know, and it's like on every device, every computer, phone, iPad, so prevalent. Um, and again, I want you to, to know that like we serve a God um, that, that sets people free. God is in the business of setting people free from addiction. Um, but, uh, you know, we also have to take responsibility. I'm telling you that um, what pornography does is it strips away one of the foundational um, pieces of Christian theology, which is um, what the Bible would call the imago Dei, that which means the image of God, that every human being is made, every human being is made in the image of God. What pornography does is it strips that away and it says that, you know, whoever you're looking at is not a human being, they're an object. It's, um, it's wicked, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a 
defilement of something that God made to bring you ecstasy and joy and fun. So what I would say is if you're, and again, there's, there's women that, that struggle with pornography. There's men, you know, it's generally more prevalent in men. But what I will tell you is get to men's prayer, get in a connect group, go to Emerge Conference, find men that you look up to. Bible says, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. That's either true or it's not true, okay? It's true. It's a promise you can take to the bank. The Bible says, if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. So I would just say, if that's something you're struggling with, let's say that you're, you know, let's say you're not dating, then I, like now is the time to go and find um, someone that you can, um, that, that is living the life that you want to live and say, hey, you know, like I'm, I'm, I want to get married one day and I don't want to bring this into my marriage. Let's say that you're dating, then still you, you want to find somebody and say, hey, I don't want to bring this into my marriage. Let's say that you're married and struggling with that, saying, I don't want to bring this in to the rest of my marriage. Confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. Find, um, find a, uh, someone at men's prayer, at women's prayer, whatever, um, and, and believe, believe that God will set you free. Amen. 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 I want to touch on something that, that what you're talking about is having the, a maturity to understand and to believe the things that you're saying of wanting my marriage to be the best, wanting my relationship being the best, wanting my sex life to be the best. And I love that you hit on the Imago Day because out of all the things that God created, we are his very best creation. He is the most proud of us. We are the apple of his eye, the desire of his heart. And so the question, right, when you're faced with these temptations, with these decisions, with these things that you're engaging in, the question that I hope will begin to bug you and come up into your mind is, is this God's best for me? And if the answer is no, turn from it and run. If the answer is yes, run towards it. Is this God's very, very best for me? And this, this will work in literally any scenario, dating scenario, pornography, lust, money, every scenario that your life touches, realize and remember that God has created you. You are his best creation is the decision you're about to make God's best for your life. I promise it'll help you. Yeah. And I would say even beyond pornography and sex, it, like what books are you reading? Um, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey came out, like those are the type of things, like the fight for purity is worth it. Um, Because what you feed your mind is what is in your subconscious. And, um, you know, the fight for purity is something that you never graduate from, but it's super worth it. And, um, you know, God talks about purity when it comes to the prophetic, God talks about the purity, like being pure in heart, like they will see God. Um, and, And I know that the world what the world does is they make sex, sexualizing people and sex and pornography really normal. But as a Christian, our job is to say, that's not normal for me. It's not meant to be part of, of my everyday life out of the confinements of marriage. And so I think really practically, like how would you, you know, there's a lot of people in here that have dated, want to date, but practically speaking, how do you set those boundaries? Um, cause obviously, you know, we can say, okay, great, no sex, but what does that actually mean? Like, how do you, how do you make it to the altar winning? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, it's really important to be dating someone that you're really attracted to. Okay. That's, Preach. that's really important. If you're in a you dating relationship. You can't kiss personality. <laughs> wow, Sterling. That is, that's true. You um, cannot. Yeah. Also, if it, Okay. Rom-coms have like just just done so much damage because it might not be fireworks the very first time that you meet, but fireworks can come later on like us. Yeah, again, you know, when I... Mike was like, uh, yeah, I think we should just be friends. Like he friend zoned me. And then Katie actually literally wouldn't let me. 
I, she literally was like, no, we're not going to just be friends. This is right. And I was like, oh. I actually did that. but <laughs> Okay. But I'm just saying, like, you can't, you can't just put all this stock into, like, this, this like, yeah, this ideal, like, little thing in your brain of, like, oh, if it doesn't happen, like, don't be a control freak about dating. Like, just meet a guy. And if he asks you out and you think, huh, maybe he's interesting, just see. Find out, because the feelings might follow once you realize he's the most interesting man in the world, and he has, like, all of these dreams that line up with what you want out of your life, too, and then those feelings can come later. Um, Also, I will say, and Mike used to say this all the time, Bentleys don't advertise. They spend zero dollars on advertising. Bentleys never advertise. But everyone knows Bentleys are one of the most expensive cars you can drive. So ladies, you don't have to show all your goodies on Instagram and show your cute little butt cheeks the whole world um, because it's actually devaluing the, what you actually are. And um, I think there's a way to be attractive and even sexy without showing everything. And it's actually, um, one (laughs) of the things that, um, I, I love the most and cherish the most as Katie's husband is I'm the only person on earth that knows how sexy she is. And Katie has just always been so modest and conservative. And it's actually like something to me that, um, is really, really special. And I, anyway, so I, I, ladies, I want to just encourage you like, and again, you know, she's talking about the car, you know, you know what Bentleys are, right? They're like, the nicest cars in the world. They, she's, she's right. They don't advertise. They don't need to because everybody just knows those cars are freaking awesome. So be a Bentley. And the okay? great thing is that, like, what I love about our church is the longer you're part of this church, the, the more you get transformed from the inside out, and that beauty starts to shine so much, and your confidence becomes grounded in the right things. You don't need that affirma- affirmation constantly from the opposite sex because you know who you are, you start having dreams that God puts on, on the inside of your heart. You start running after those dreams. And then soon enough, you'll look over and somebody will be running at the same pace that you're running and you can hold hands and run the rest of that race hand in hand with somebody. But until then, don't sell yourself short and, and, and yes, do what it takes. I mean, like we were extremely attracted to each other when we were dating. And so I literally bought a twin bed and moved into... Um, my roommate, like we had a bunch of roommates and I, um, my roommate and I were like, okay, we should share a room so we don't mess around with our boyfriends because that's what, that's going to be what it takes. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Like I was like, okay, I need a twin size bed. We're not allowed to ride around your truck anymore. Um, after like sunset, (laughs) Between the hours of 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. <laughs> we can't, like, literally, it was like that. Like, we had to constantly talk about, like, oh, whenever we go to this place, we end up getting really tempted and make bad choices. So let's just not even go to that place anymore, and then we won't have to feel bad about anything the next day. Um, or, you know, like, you just have to be honest about your attraction and what that looks like when you start dating somebody. Um, and it's a really good thing to be really attracted to the person that you're dating. So I remember like we did premarital 
for this couple and they were they felt so bad that they liked each other and were like this is a good thing like you should want to you know (laughs) you know you You should want you should want to do that that's healthy but you have to not awaken love what's the proverbs don't awaken love before it's time so um yeah i think get wisdom and i think to um, and again, just talking Don't be about religious boundaries. About it. Um, understand, you know what what our culture tries to do is they try to devalue sex, and so you'll hear things, you know, you'll see in TV shows, oh, it's just sex, you know, it's just physical, it's just hooking up. Even the the term hooking up, just you know, it's just like, this sounds so flippant and so like, you know, two carabiners just linked up, and that was cool. The Hebrew word for sex is the word dode. And it literally means the mingling of souls. Bible says that when a man and woman come together, they become one flesh. So deeply intertwined. It's not casual. It's not something to be treated flippantly. It is, you know, meant for a covenant relationship. Now, that's a word that we don't, you know, really throw around a lot these days. But there's a big difference between a covenant relationship and a contractual relationship. And a contractual relationship, this is how the world treats not just dating, but even marriage. The world will say, all right, in a contractual relationship, these, this is what I will do to hold up my end of the bargain. Here's what you will do to hold up your end of the bargain. And as long as I hold up my end of the bargain and you hold up your end of the bargain, then we'll be in this contract. Now, the minute one of us is in breach of contract and doesn't hold up our end of the bargain, then we're free to breach that contract and dissolve and go away. A covenant says, I will hold up my end of the bargain even if you do not. I'm in this thing, even on the days that I don't feel like it, even on the days that you're not meeting my needs, even on the days where I feel like the things that I want and my dreams are not being, that's a covenant relationship. And that's why it's so important to understand um, the, the value of sex. And, and it makes it a lot easier to, not easier, it's always hard, okay? If you're with somebody you're really attracted to, and that should be, I heard somebody say one time doing um, premarital, um, what they love to see is couples who can barely keep their hands off each other, but they do. And I love that. There should be attraction. There should be chemistry. There should be sparks. But I think understanding the weight um, of, what, you know, of what sex is, it's the mingling of souls and um, needs to be engaged in in the appropriate forum. Amen, brother. All I'm saying is some of y'all need to buy a twin bed. Yeah. Just also just don't kiss laying down. If you can just avoid, you know, kissing while laying down, your half your problems are gone. Yeah. There you go. That's just saying only kiss vertically, never wow. horizontally. Wow. You're welcome. We get asked this actually all the time. We got asked this three different times in three different ways. And the question was basically, um, are, is it okay to either live together or stay the night at each other's houses if we're not having sex? No, don't no. do that. Um, same with like, don't share a phone plan, stop sharing a bank account. You're doing married things and you're not married. What is okay? this, an LLC? Yeah. I also recommend don't buy a dog together. Um, Bro. I'm, that's a side thing. Um, you got to play rock, paper, scissors for an animal? Like, what at are you the talking? end, yeah. That's weird. Um, yeah, don't do that. Another question Let's is... talk about traveling. Yeah, that traveling. That one's a big one. Yes. We traveled when we dated with other people. Groups. Totally Groups. acceptable. Um, it's like just... 
I think you know if you're playing house or not. Like, you know if you're, like, you know, oh, you went putting to lipstick for a on month? a pig. You went well, to it's it's for like a the month? posting the of it, too. Of and like, you're robbing yourself. Yep. You're robbing yourself of what it should be, which is when you're married, enjoying experiences together as a married couple. You're going to rob yourself if you half enjoy things that you could be fully enjoying. So don't go on a vacation, just the two of you guys. You're playing house. You're playing marriage. That's what it is. And you're going to be shocked when you actually do get married and you realize, oh, there's not really any difference from what we were doing except now we are Now I don't feel guilty. Well, or just shocked. Like, oh, wow. We actually were married. We were married without all the actual benefits and the blessing and the covering. And um, why would you want to, like, steal yourself from... Steal or steal that from somebody else, the person you're dating. And even, you know, a lot of things young adults say is, is some version of the how far is too far question, right? The old how far is too far God, say, Oral sex is sex. You need sex. to understand that even Whoa, the... Oh, certainly. Oral sex is sex. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> yeah, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's true. Thank you, Sterling. Um, but even that question itself is ill-conceived. It's, it's the wrong question. Because what you're saying is, show me the line so that I can sneak right up to it. But the Bible says that we're to live above reproach, which means far away from the line. So even the question, if you find yourself you know, wondering and asking, how far is too far? Is this too much? That's the wrong line of thinking. Because what you're saying is, show me the line so I can get just right up to it, but not cross it. And that's not how we're called to live. We're called to live above reproach, far away from the line. So if you find yourself thinking that, asking that, you're asking the wrong question. And we have learned, I mean, we were not, we didn't do everything right when we dated you guys. We dated for three years. That was way too long. Don't do that. We did it for, we had our reasons. My parents didn't want us to get married. I was in college. He was in college. Well, actually, he didn't even, he was not in college when we first started dating. He only went to college because my dad told him that he had to. And so he did. I got <laughs> um, a PhD. I showed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you showed him. Um, but we made a lot of mistakes. And we, yes, we didn't have sex before marriage, but we just barely, we just barely we rolled made across it. the finish line. Yeah. This is where, where I said oral sex is sex. I thought this is where it was going. Just, just so everyone knows. <laughs> we did really dumb things, like, I can't believe I'm about to say this. So it's being we, podcasted. We literally, there was like a Motel 6 outside of my apartment complex, and I had my twin bed in there, but there was one night, we paid for a cheap hotel room so we could watch a movie and mess around, and we didn't have sex, but we basically did everything else, and... I remember after we got married being like, oh, shoot, we were having sex, kind of, yeah. Like, everything except the actual, you And you, you had know. an answer to your roommate why you didn't show up that night. That was weird. I did, actually. She called me out. So, um, Well, and I would say to, yeah. yes, people with roommates, you need to have a policy of, like, yeah. set, set a safeguard for yourself. Like, hey, where are you? It's 2 a.m. Hello. Um, yeah. And, and if you're the Motel 6 girl, don't be upset. Sounds so... <laughs> Did you just call my wife the Motel 6 girl? Listen, 
It was brand new, you guys. Listen, it wasn't they gross. Use, they used Mike's credit card, new. okay? Mike paid for that room. <laughs> it was thirty nine ninety nine. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. This my, was, this my, was wow. 12 years ago. What I mean is, wow. if, if you are the one that is sneaking around, don't get defensive. Welcome the accountability and be thankful that you have yeah. a roommate that loves you enough to it's ask. True. Let's Let's give them an we example. We both had... So he lived... How many roommates do you have? You had like so many roommates. I don't know. It was like a frat house. It was crazy. It was weird. <laughs> there was... I mean, we needed cheap rent. So we both lived with like a lot of people. You know, I had like five roommates. He had like seven roommates. And so people knew what our whereabouts. And that's a good thing. So I think it's harder if you live on your own. I honestly would not recommend it. Like, yes, move out of your parents' house, but move in with other young adults. So you can work some stuff out, like how to pay your bills, how to... uh, be an adult, like have a job. how to have a job, how to keep a job. I mean, that's a really good place to start, you know, like before you're like expecting your perfect spouse to walk through the doors, like maybe make sure you can show up to work on time and pay your bills on time and have aspirations and dreams and take care of yourself, work out, eat healthy, things like this. You know what I mean? The basics. Yeah. Drink, drink water. Drink water. Hydrate. Go to Emerge Conference. Men, if you are not at Emerge, it should be like a really dire situation for you to not be at Emerge. Everything changed when we, so we moved to San Diego 10 years ago. We were working through a lot of things in our marriage. We weren't in a very good place in our marriage, but we still were like obsessed with each other. Like we loved each other, but we just had a lot of dysfunctions. And um, I remember the first year Mike went to Emerge, I was like psycho. I had to, I literally was like praying and texting him and then he wasn't texting me back and I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't leave. Like, just stay through. Like, you need, you need an encounter with God. I have a lot riding on this. Um, and, and everything changed after that Emerge for him, which meant, meant that everything changed for us. And that was really like the beginning of the rest of our lives was when Mike went to Emerge. So, if you're not registered for Emerge yet, men, please register. And if you don't think you can afford it, you probably can. You probably just need to not go have beers every night and like spend your money on weird stuff. Just like prioritize buying an Emerge ticket. And if after all of that you still don't think you can, then talk to a Connect leader. Like figure it out. Yeah, your yeah. dire reasoning is probably not that dire. Um, it's just it's just funny because like oh I can't afford to go, I mean to cherish, but I can't afford lofty coffees six days a week or Coachella. <laughs> yeah, I'm like have fun at Coachella. <laughs> yeah, you just you all there's a saying you always make time for your priorities. Yep. So you actually can be empowered. And just for the guys, I mean I feel like we've hit on boundaries really well. Um, I was going to tell a funny story, but yes. Um, Is this good for you guys? You guys yes. enjoying this? Okay. Um, this was a question directed for you guys to answer. It says, guys often feel like they have to have their ducks in a row before they date or before they get engaged. What are your thoughts on this? Can you give some wisdom? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't have my ducks in a row. I've been married 12 <laughs> years, you know. Um, ducks are still around. Yeah. Where the, we the have little, a lot of ducks. ducklings just scrambling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, guys, don't, don't, uh, 
it's that's a mistake um, to to say you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold off on dating until I hit some financial goal or whatever because the minute you hit that goal there's another goal um, the minute you reach you know whatever level there's another level above that um, when you find somebody that you're compatible with that makes you laugh that you like being around that's your best friend that you're attracted to then just start dating and get married, okay? The, um, I know that uh, for us, I mean, gosh, like when we first met, I You was, drove a flatbed truck, worked in construction. Yes. She thought that was hot though, so. Yeah, that, it yeah, was. You had to stay away from that truck. I did. Yeah. So. It's just one bench. It's not good. Yeah. Um, my point is like, we've grown together and that's, that like so much of where we are now, like this wedding ring happened 10 years in. My first wedding ring was like the tiny diamond that actually we realized was worth nothing. (laughs) (laughs) My God, I don't, there's a whole story behind the diamond, but it fell out when I was pregnant with Zeke, probably for the best. But um, like, don't, don't feel like you have to be a millionaire to date somebody like, I think San Diego puts a lot of pressure on, like, you know, consumerism and um, just what you, the stuff, materialism, but go on a journey with somebody. Dream with someone. Like, that's what we did. That's what actually got us to San Diego. Yeah, and I think the, um, you know, there's some guys and girls that kind of feel like, gosh, there's still so many things I want to achieve, so many dreams I want to attain before I get tied down. Um, but like the, I am the man that I am because of Katie, like Katie built me. Like she basically turned me into the man that she wanted (laughs) and we built, we built a life together. Um, we achieved things together. Like she, there's no way I would have had the courage to move to San Diego. Was it not for Katie? Katie was the one who was like, Hey, we can do this. Come on. It'll be me and you. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll start a new life together. It'll be an adventure. And, um, and it was, it was us together that built a life. And that's part of, um, the things that's so special is everything. It wasn't like I achieved this and then she achieved that. And then the Montagues and the Capulets came together to make some super family. Um, that's from Romeo and Juliet. If you anyway, um, but uh, we st- started with nothing. I mean, we like we moved into this tiny little apartment in La Jolla. I was a graduate student. We lived in student housing, and even that little apartment, we got a roommate to like cut the rent even cheaper. And so we had this sweet Russian girl that lived in the second bedroom, and we like. It's I, Irina. We love her. Irina Bennett, yes. Um, and I remember... Um, you, you upgraded know, from a twin bed, though. Yes. Okay, yeah. good, good. This was after we got yeah. married. Yes. And I just remember, you know, like, just th- sitting down, and we had this, like, Ikea c- dinner table that we bought for, like, 40 bucks. Yeah. And, um, you know, just going through our finances and just like, all right, if we could just find a way to make $3,000 a month, then it's, we're set for life. <laughs> And maybe some of you are there now and that's fine, that's cute. you know, and, and I just remember like those were the conversations that we had back then, you know, and now God has, has blessed us, you know, tremendously, but it's because we built a life together. So yeah. can I say one more thing too on the whole money thing? Um, like making money is not serving God. Okay. So like when we, 
met and like getting planted in the church, Mike was a PhD student with, we had all these dreams for business, all this, all these things that were on the inside of our hearts. But um, Mike actually started serving on the worship team as a grad student where that was like his only, that was his full-time job was grad student. I remember like there was a decision that we made um, where we, we made a decision, we're going to prioritize the house of God. And let's see how that goes for us because we had never done that before. And we were, we'd only been married under two years, I think like a, a year and a half. And um, it was like a huge sacrifice for Mike, especially because grad school was like kicking his butt because UCSD is intense. So, um, but it was crazy. He started serving on the worship team and he'd be walking to class and literally a solution to like a math problem would pop into his head that he'd go to his lab and it would work. And it would take him, like other grad students would take like 15 hours to come up with a solution that literally the Holy Spirit just dropped into his mind on the way to class. And we both knew it was like a miracle because we were prioritizing the house of God. And we never looked back from that point. We're like, you know what? If this is just a taste, then this is going to be the rest of our life. We're going to say yes to God. We're going to prioritize the house of God. And, and we had dreams of being like, we still do, of being the biggest givers in our church. And we're nowhere near that, but I can tell you that we give way more than most people and spend way more time. Well, we're pastors now, so, but even before we were pastors, God is the God of miracles. And we hear a lot, especially, you know, you guys are just getting started in your careers and you think, or if you're about to get married, like, oh, I need to stop serving so that I can focus on getting married and I can focus on my job. Or we hear a lot like, oh, well, my role now is to make money and that's how I'm going to build the house of God. But it's a lie. And it's just a a hamster wheel that you're just going to stay on and never actually go anywhere. Um, And it really is a paradigm, like seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And we are living testimonies of that. And we're still just getting started. But um, just to encourage you guys, like, don't buy into that lie. It's, it is a lie. It's not biblical. Yeah. I would say on the other end of that, um, I remember when Sterling and I got married, you know, our story was he was pastoring actually at another church and, you know, through a series of events, ended up walking away from what was a really established reputation, career, all the things that come with that, and really had to start over at 28. And, you know, if you're 28 and a dude, not many of you are like, can't wait to start over everything, but he did. And, um, you know, so he was getting a new job, like, okay, what is my career going to be? All these things. And when we got married, um, I remember we literally had to decide, are we going to decorate our first apartment and buy a Christmas tree? Because when you get married, it's like your first couch, your first cat litter box, your first, you know, Christmas tree, like whatever, your first everything. And so... um, I got a fork. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't we didn't put a Christmas tree on our March wedding registry, so we didn't have one. And so we had to decide, like, are we going to buy people we love gifts or are we going to decorate? And so we decided, okay, we're going to budget and buy gifts and do all this thing. And so what Sterling did is he actually worked part-time as a Lyft driver 
earned extra money on top of his normal new job. So then he went to Costco, borrowed somebody else's car and picked up a Christmas tree and set it up and surprised me. And like, I was like, first Christmas, Christmas tree, so pumped. But we didn't even like put ornaments on it. Like I, it was just a tree. (laughs) And, but I say that because I think the other side of it too is um, there has to be a deep desire to work hard and not let an excuse of your circumstance limit the life that you have. And I'm not talking buying, you know, a YSL purse or all those things. I'm saying that there's something when you learn how to work hard and remove entitlement that that your life begins to work. And so I would encourage you too, if guys, girls, yes, good job. Wait, go go be a Lyft driver. Um, but I would just encourage you, like you are living the life you are because you have chosen that. Yeah. And so what we can't do as young adults is blame other people for the life that we live. Yeah. And so we have to take incredible amount of responsibility and ownership in that. Yeah, one of the most um, empowering and terrifying realizations is that where you are today mm-hmm. is 100% because of the choices you have made, 100%. The minute you own that, your life can change. When you say, well, you know, it's because my parents didn't give me this, or I didn't have that, or well, the circumstance, when you will own the fact that where you are today is 100% because of the choices you have made, then you're in a blessable position. You have to actually be in a position to be blessed. And that, taking responsibility for where you are and where you want to go and where you want to see God take you, starts with, with that, taking responsibility. 100%. And it's so cool to, to look back on. Like, I, re- I remember doing that and, like, going, it's a dumb story, but to, like, go pick up that tree. You can look back on, and we, we just came back from an epic vacation in Kauai, and, like, we literally, I was like, babe, do you remember when we had $123 and that was it? And you get to look back and see where God has shown up, seeing where he is, he's, he's blessed you, where favor of God has come. And so to kind of like put a cap on the ducks on the row thing, listen, if you're a dude, I understand. There's a, you want to have that sense of security. Like I can take care of my bride. I can provide. I can be her protector. Guess what? God's going to join you. He's going to lock arms with you. He's going to show you, teach you, grow you, elevate you. You do not need to be at that place, but you do need to have the awareness of I'm going into this marriage. God's going to show me. God's going to grow me. And let me just say one quick thing. You know, again, when, you know, you hear all the time, women want security, right? And it's true. But let me just dispel one thing, like what a woman, and yes, financial security is part of it, but more than way, way, way more than that. What your future spouse or current spouse wants to know, this is what security means to a woman, is that no matter what happens, you will never give up. That is security to a woman. That is sexy to a woman. That is, that will endear you to her forever, that no matter what, if you, if you lose everything, then you're going to build back. If, if crap hits the fan, you're not leaving. That is security to know that no matter what. And Katie, Katie knows, no matter what, no matter what we have, don't have, no matter what befalls me, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not giving up. And that's what security is to a wife. King David says, I've been young and I've been old and never have I ever seen the righteous forsaken. And 
you decide if you are a righteous person and people often associate like, oh, performance, but no, it's when you mess up, how you respond. It's when you mess up, do you run to the house of God? Yeah. When, when you're crossing boundaries, you shouldn't. Are you running to your connect leader saying, please help me, help us figure it out? Why? Ah. Like, and, and the, the same thing Sterling and I have built even before we met, before we were married is the same things that we apply now in marriage. So like what Pastor Katie was saying, we've always built God's house. We've always tithed. We've always served. We've always done more in the sense of, and we've always gained more than we've ever given. And um, I I want to talk a few things in the last few minutes about marriage, um, but we got this question a few times, but it says, you know, a version of this, my parents always fought in a really unhealthy way. Um, so now I associate fighting as unhealthy in marriage. What what does it look like to have a healthy marriage in communication and arguments? Yeah, it's um, the biggest red flag in the world when a couple says, "Oh, we never fight." That that's real bad. Um, you you because lie. delusional, yeah. You know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, and that's because of friction. And actually, the tighter two surfaces are pressed together the more friction there is. So actually, friction and sparks is actually a, a, um, a symptom of the closeness of two partners. Katie and I fight all the time. We probably fought today. I don't know. We did. But Short. we have, yeah. We, Short we memory. But we have, we've learned how to fight really well. And actually, you know, it was actually yesterday, actually. We, um, uh, Yesterday's fight. Yeah, yesterday... Uh, <laughs> Have yesterday morning, I just, you know, just kind of noticed where it was Saturday or wait, what's today? Today's Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was yesterday. It was Saturday. Um, and we were, you know, just kind of puttering around the morning and you know, we got, we've got small kids. So life's crazy. Like the mornings at our house are just like, you know, what, what's happening? It's chaos. And I just could tell, you know, I've, I've been with my wife for 15 years. I just could tell something was up and, you know, you kind of sometimes just, you don't want to say what's wrong quite yet because you just got to be ready for that. You know, like got to be. But finally, you know, she just said, hey, um, it really bums me out that we just didn't have the morning together. Like, I've really been looking forward to Saturday where we can have coffee together. And, and my wife, I've learned in 15 years, coffee in the morning is just, a, it's like her number. We, we could do nothing else, but if we have coffee together twice a week, then her love tank is just like through the roof. That's actually not true. Well, yeah, I'm, that's hyperbole, hyperbole. I'm, yes, I'm making a point. But, but she told me, like, hey, you know, it really, it just kind of bummed me out that, that you know, just kinda, you didn't make space for us to have a morning together and connect. The old, and so the reason is because I was working Saturday morning. Like, we had just gotten back from a trip. I'm self-employed. Like, you know, just because I go on vacation, you know, the people I work for don't care. Like, and so I was, like, trying to jam and try to, try to make things happen to get caught up. And the old me would have flown off the handle and just been like, do you, you know, I am trying to earn the money that pays the bill. Don't you to, see what I'm doing to for live, you? For you to live in this beautiful house that we have. But because we've learned to fight well, and here's the big thing. In marriage, you have to find a way. And it's not something that just happens overnight. It's, um, it's something you have to fight for, but you have to make a safe space for one another. And so the old me would have flown off the handle and been like, you know, you don't respect me. You don't really understand. You don't see all that I'm doing to provide for you, provide for the kids. But because I've learned to really trust her that when she brings something up to me, it's not because she's needy. It's not because she's psycho. It's because she's my wife and she's, you know, 
50% of this, of this, you know, Jaeger family and she, and I trust her. And so instead of flying off the handle, I was able to just kind of look at her, take a second. And again, I felt even, you know, even now I kind of felt some defensiveness welling up in me, but I said, Hey, now, like right now, no, oh. yesterday, I'm like, Whoa, yesterday I'm doing great. Okay. Everyone okay. just, stretch just your, everyone just stretch your hands out. Yeah. And wow. I was able to, to just look her in the eyes and say, Hey, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have done that. I just got swept up with just the, the hustle of getting back from vacation, and I could have easily carved out 90 minutes for you and I to connect. I'm sorry. Will you give me the opportunity to, to make it better this week? And the cool thing was, because she knows I have built a reputation over the past 12 years of when my wife says something to me, I actually listen. I actually plant it in my brain and, and, and make an effort. So she knows she doesn't have to, when she says, when I say, hey, I will prioritize this over this week, then she says, Great. Awesome. Sounds okay, awesome. but that's like after 15 years yes. of training him. <laughs> like literally, you're going to you're going to have to work it out. You're going to have to like fight and and figure out how to fight well and that comes, you know, you have to learn like what it doesn't look like to One figure of, out what it does look like. Yeah. And so especially at first like newlyweds, like you're going to fight and you should. Like if because you're, you're figuring out how to, like, become one. And, and you will oneness. fight over the weirdest things. Most of the or, time. Or you don't know what you're fighting about, but you're fighting. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll get, you'll be so arguing, mad. and all of a sudden you'll be like, what, what, how did this start? I don't know, but I'm still really mad at you. But the important thing is this. You have to fight for things, not against one another. And don't take cheap shots you have you have a privilege and a responsibility of like that safe place for your spouse or even like for your boyfriend where your words like are going to last they go on like we are created in God's image words create so don't be flippant with them and maybe some of you need to pray for some self control and to actually take a second before you open your mouth but others of you need to learn how to actually open your mouths and say what you see and, um, and, and that was us. Like I, I just grew up not ever saying anything. And so it, it took Mike and then I realized, oh wow, I actually have a lot to say <laughs> and I'm really feisty. I didn't even know. Um, but, but learn how to fight for a vision and hold each other accountable to what God has called you and your family to be. And, um, we've realized like, Oh man, I I'll know. I have to bring this up because we've made a choice that this is the type of family we're going to be and we are outside of what we've made the decision that we're going to be and it's going to it's going to start a fight, but if I don't say anything, then that's even worse. Yeah. Um so we're really intentional about our fighting and I'm proud of us. We're really good fighters. Good job. Ninety-eight percent of the time. I feel like yes. too when you're when you're fighting, the temptation is to go after the other person's weakness. Literally, yeah. Pastor Jurgen was preaching on this today. He's like, "How come in fights you don't go after like the best things in them? Like, oh well, that would make them look really good. Like, I'm going to go after their weaknesses." And so it's in those moments, not exploiting their weaknesses, and and that takes self control. That takes maturity. That yeah. takes like taking a chill pill, right? And a big thing in our marriage that has been kind of funny is whenever we're in those, you know, conversations and, you know, those, those fights are happening and it's bedtime, guess what? I'm going to bed. Like, I'm nine nights. Oh, the bedtime I'm thing. gone. And Marissa will always be like, well, the Bible says, you know, don't, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I'm just like, I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm over this, you know. And so I want to talk, I want you to talk specifically so that I'm not doing this. 
Well, well let me, before we, you answer the question, <laughs> when he says I'm not angry, I'm telling you what not to do. Don't just flip the switch he means and is, like is de-gaff. that I don't care anymore. Yeah. So I'm going to bed, which is also it's not. Hey, I love you. Let's figure this out in the morning. It's good night. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch me. So wow. go. I know that was a, a a thing in in our marriage early on. I remember it'd be like you know, super long day out crushing it at work or whatever, lay in bed, lights off. Hey, babe. And then I would hear, babe, can we talk? <laughs> Two talk to hours later. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me. You know why? Because they, you didn't give me any other time to talk That's the true. whole day. Yes, she, you're, she's exactly right. And so it was like I created my own mess by not making any space so that the only space she did have was 11.30 at night when I'm exhausted. And then things, any fight that starts after midnight is not going I well. I literally, he would be, and he can just go to sleep. I can't. And so I'd be like, you're guy. so annoying My just guy. laying there in deep sleep. And I remember this one time, we've been married like two months, and I had this laundry basket, and I was like, if I throw this at him, I don't think it will cause like brain damage. And that was just like, slight oh, bruising. it might hurt him. And so I threw a sock at him. Because Another, I'm nice, but... And then I just rolled over and <laughs> kept sleeping. I was so mad at him for just falling asleep. Anyway, we're so but, over um, time. But, yeah. But it is, uh, like, learning when to fight is also really important. And, and we're at a spot in our marriage now that I think is really amazing where we actually... There's some things that, that just can't wait. Like, they need to be worked out. You know, like, it would be foolish just to be like, ah, oh, you know, let's deal with this later. But there, there's a lot of things. I heard somebody say one time, sometimes the most godly thing in the world you can do is just go to sleep. And so we're at a spot in our marriage now where we can say, hey, you know what? We're, we're kind of out of gas for today. This isn't going any well. You're, you're heightened. I'm heightened. You know, I love you. I know that you love me. Can we just, you know, crash out and make some space to talk about this tomorrow? Um, and that's been a really beautiful thing that we've been able to develop. And again, there's, there's some things that are like, hey, no, we really can't. Like, I'm really spun up about this and I need to work this through. And then it's like, okay, we'll Remember cool, a it. few months ago we had to fight till like almost 1 a.m.? Sure. That was bad. Yeah, happens. But it, it needed to happen. So there, there are those one-offs. And I would say, too, know who you're, like, who you're phoning a friend the next morning. Or when you get to a dead end where you're like, I feel like we can't get anywhere. I know in my life I have many people, you know, Pastor Katie, Pastor Tessa, different people that I can call and be like, hey, this is what happened. So obviously Sterling's irritated about this and I'm pissed off about this and this is what happened and this is how I felt. She's just tattletaling. No, 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 I'm, I'm genuinely not because I'm going, help me learn to communicate because this is a cycle and I don't want to always end up in the in the crazy cycle as Dr. Brian talks about where, where you get freaking psychotic and you can't come down and... um. And I think it's it's really important to have that. And what that is not is is your single friend that um, that isn't married and doesn't have uh, the fruit on their life that you want. Um, and so making sure, and here again, get in a connect group because if you're not in a connect group, you probably might not have access to those type of resources. And so I would just encourage you to figure out who are those couples that you can tell on yourself when you're being psycho or, you know, crossing boundaries or whatever. Go to the people that have the fruit that you're needing breakthrough in. And let that be your guide, not like 
the loyalty, like, oh, well, I always used to go to this person and we talk about everything together, but, but maybe their life in that season doesn't have the fruit that you're actually needing to show up in your life in that area. So that's what I love about church is like, you have everything that you need. Um, and, and we all carry breakthrough in different areas. So I'll go to Pastor Tessa when it comes to some parenting things that I'm needing wisdom because she's further along in me. Whereas I'll go to other people that have, you know, like Mike with business stuff or like wives that are married to entrepreneurs. Like, how do you do this? So go to the people that have the fruit that you're, and don't leech from them. Like offer to take them out and pay for their lunch. Like don't be dishonoring, dishonoring. Well, and I would say too, not everything is a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, send them a text. Hey, do you have ten minutes? Um, or send them a voice memo with the description of what the vo- four-minute voice memo is, so they know when to <laughs> yeah. listen to it and not to listen to it while they're with their crying kids checking out at Trader Joe's. Um, but I think that's the last thing I wanted to end on, and we'll, we'll I have pray for people. One more thing before you go into that question, I apologize. That's it's very the second sh- to last thing. Very okay. very short. Those people that you're calling, texting, you know, uh-huh. voice memoing. You need to be looking to them for help and not to amen your anger. You don't, don't call the friend who's like, oh, I told you when you married him. I told you when you started dating that he was. Don't call those friends. Call friends who are level-headed, who have wisdom, who are not going to give you the satisfaction of like, oh, I knew he was a jerk and my friend just confirmed it. Don't do that. Call people who are wise. Call people yeah. who... It, it ultimately, optimately know you both. And that's why I love when you call Pastor Tessa's because she knows me. She knows you. She knows us. That way we can get helped and not just amen, you know, whatever I've done dumb. So, yes. Um, amen. <laughs> um, what would you say, Pastor Katie, to the young adult who maybe isn't a parent yet, who is being led either by a connect leader or pastored or, you know, a leader at women's prayer or men's prayer, who is a parent, like what's some advice thinking through the filter? Because I've actually found that, um, you know, there's quite a few people in our church that have little kids that invest in young adults. What would you say to the young adult that isn't a parent, um, like a lens to think through um, when... Like buy them coffee? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think honestly, like they're in a different season of life, but that doesn't mean that they don't have time for you or they don't want to be there for you. Um, but also you might need to, you know, see how you can bend a little bit because you do have more time flexibility than they do. Um, so I remember, um, we, when we were still young adult leaders and we had Zeke, like I would, I would say Zeke's our oldest when he was a baby. I'm like, Hey, I actually don't have time, but if you want to come over and go grocery shopping with me, we can walk through Trader Joe's and I'll, you know, get you some rolled chips <laughs> and we can talk that way. Like there's ways to incorporate that quality time. Um, but it might just look a little bit different versus your other friends that don't have kids. Um, but it is a massive transition when your friends have a kid and you can't expect them to be how they were before they had kids. Um, and for those of you that do have kids, don't put this pressure or this expectation on, on your friends or those that you're leading to get it. They don't get it. And that's okay. Um, and I think it's really beautiful. Like we, I have friends that don't have kids and most of my friends now do have kids. Um, but those dynamics do change, but I would say it, it, I'm really grateful for the people that 
don't have kids yet that make the effort to still be a part of my life, even though it means maybe they have to come over or, you know, I have kids running around when we're hanging out. Um, but if they really prioritize that time with me, then they're willing to, to make that effort. Yeah. yeah. And something that I did when I was um, an Awaken You student here um, is I had all these pastors that I wanted to be like and admired their marriage, their ministry, their businesses. So instead of me coming up to them on the front row and saying, hey, when can we hang out? I said, hey, I would actually love to watch your kids one night. Um, and I don't want you to pay me and you guys, whenever is convenient for you, you let me know. And it was my way of sewing into what I wanted. And because the Bible says that what you honor, you get more of. And so what I didn't go do is say, hey, hang out with me, do all this stuff with me. But I actually thought, what, what would really serve them? And, you know, it might look like a $5 coffee gift card and a nice note saying, hey, thanks for everything you do. Here's a coffee on your next thing or, you know, running to Target. But, you know, I love <laughs> when young adults are like, oh, I'm so busy. And I'm like, do you, do you have children? Because if you don't, you're not busy. <laughs> so I think, too, just realizing that you actually can be a blessing to those people. And I'm not just talking to the females, but, you know, dudes, like, what what can you go do? Go do Pastor Mike's yard work if you're at Eastlake, like, you know, whatever. Um, or Anthony, you know, like, how can you serve your um, leaders in that way, even though they're in a different season? So um, we're going to pray for um, people. Do you want to pray corporately over some things or? Do you guys want some prayer? <laughs> I would actually would really love to pray over you guys. Um, I think it'd be really amazing just to pray against condemnation. I Honestly, like coming into tonight, I saw a lot of you guys being like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Like, where do I start? And so yeah. I just would love... Maybe even, can we stand up just to like switch it up a little bit? All rise. (laughs) Um, You guys are so amazing, by the way. Uh, I just, I I want to have a moment where the Holy Spirit can actually show you where to start. Like there was a lot covered tonight, um, but... But the Holy Spirit knows exactly where you're at. He knows the exact season you're in. He knows what your tomorrow is going to look like. And um, I just want to pray over all of you guys that that the Holy Spirit would show you the first thing to start with. Um, And for some of you, it is signing up for Emerge. For others of you, it's getting Connect Group. For some of you, it's texting the girl and asking her out to coffee. For others of you, it's... Um, starting to pray and network so that you can get into a better living situation where you can have godly roommates that you can do life together with. I don't know, I don't know what it, that starting point is, but um, if you guys can just close your eyes, I want to just have a moment where the Holy Spirit, um, He's here with us, and He created you. It says all throughout the Word that He knit in desires into your heart that he wants to fulfill. He put a calling and a purpose tailor-made for each and every single one of you. Each and every single one of you are going to do the most amazing things in this world. You're going to experience the full spectrum life. And so, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for the person that they are, 
the person that they've become, the person that they're becoming. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, against condemnation and even a, a spirit of confusion. I break that right now in the name of Jesus, that these young adults are young adults that are going to have confidence and clarity. It says in your word that um, you give us power, love, and a soundness of mind. And so I thank you right now for a soundness of mind. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you begin to speak to every single person in this room about the season that they find themselves in. And I pray right now that you begin to give visions in their mind's eye of where to begin, what that action step is as they leave tonight, that they would know that one thing that they're going to do that one thing that they're going to leave behind or do different or act on. And I thank you, Jesus, that it's going to produce a harvest that is going to be a testimony that's going to be powerful. And I thank you, God, for their testimony. I thank you that whether they're more like Mike or me or Marissa or Sterling or where, whatever they've been through, that you're going to use it to build kingdom. You're going to use it to bring um, the most incredible harvest in their lives. So I just thank you right now. Holy Spirit, speak to every single person. Affirm who they are. Give them the confidence to step outside their comfort zone, to do something different than they've done before, to yield a different result than they've ever experienced. In the name of Jesus, amen. Yes, I just feel, um, again, just uh, a couple more seconds here to pray against um, a, a spirit of inadequacy, of... Um, that you're, you know, you're ill-equipped, that you, you don't know what you're doing. Um, and I just want you to know that that's a lie from the devil. And um, when I was, my dad died when I was 18 years old and uh, died pretty tragically, died from a drug overdose. And it really wrecked my entire family. And um, right when I really needed um, to, to have a dad to kind of help me navigate life, I didn't have one. But through the church, God brought me three men. There was a man named Paul McDonald, um, a man named Randy Owens, um, and a man named Larry Grayson. Larry Grayson was a pastor. Uh, Randy Owens was a businessman, and Paul McDonald was a family man. And God brought these three men to show me everything that I missed um, from my dad dying. Showed me how to be a businessman. Showed me how to be a dreamer. Showed me how to be um, a family man. Showed me how to be um, a, a, um, a, a believer and, and to be discipled. And so just know that whatever you feel like you're lacking God uses his church to fill in the gaps. So God, I thank you right now for, um, God, for every person in here. And right now, just specifically speak to this spirit of inadequacy of, gosh, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. And God, we break the back of that lie of the enemy right now, God, that you hold us in the palm of your hand. God, that you have given us the church. You have given us the house of God. The local church is the hope of the world to fill in the gaps. And God, right now, we just wanna thank you for a church that is fresh, real, and powerful, that is filled with people that are living the lives we want to live, that are bearing the fruit that we want to bear. And right now, God, I pray for divine friendships. I pray for divine relationships, divine connections of, of um, uh, discipleship relationships. And God, we, as, as young adults, we, we say right now, we declare that we're good for it. We're, we're up for hearing the hard conversations. We're up for someone looking into our world and saying, we're not doing it right. We need to make a change. God, we say that we're, we're, we're man enough, we're woman enough to hear it. We'll receive it. And God, I pray right now for a great harvest of relationships, um, of friendships, for community. God, we speak against the spirit of, of isolation that seeks to, um, to, to you know, peel us off from the herd so that we're vulnerable to attack. God, there is strength in numbers. There is strength in your house. God, we thank you, God, 
for every young adult, for the future you have, for every single one of them, God, to, to uh, find a spouse, to, to build a family, to build a, a legacy that will, will go far beyond our lives, but into the, the second and third generation and beyond, God. We pray for um, great increase. We pray for wisdom. And we pray it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.